This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Mike Sedita. Hello, everyone out in Tampa, specifically Pasco County, specifically today, Wesley Chapel. We are uh, in for a treat this afternoon. I have uh, someone that I very much enjoy her company. This is Cheryl Johnson with Mason Title. She is the business development manager. Cheryl, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing excellent. I am doing excellent. I want to take a quick moment to tell everybody a little bit about what the Good Neighbor Podcast is, who we are, what we do, and and how we do it. Uh, The Good Neighbor Podcast started back in 2020 in the middle of COVID in Southwest Florida, and it was put together as a way to provide some local businesses an outlet to the community that they serve, to get some um, you know, uh, communities involved so they would know the businesses in their area because we had the social distancing. And that's who we are and what we do. And then how do we do it in this very casual uh, internet uh, chat room format style for the podcast. And I'm pretty fortunate. The Good Neighbor Podcast has been around for a few years and I am the person who's uh, lucky enough to be able to put it on here in the Tampa market. So I really enjoy um, getting communities together with people and businesses. And I, I'm very happy that we're able to get you on here today. So tell us a little bit about Mason Title. Tell us about your business. Okay. Well, first, thank you for letting me come on today. I just love that it, that you invited me. And I really am appreciative of that. I just wanted to tell you that before I forget. And uh, so Mason Title is, is a title insurance business. Um, we sell um, title insurance to your homes. And a lot of people don't know what that is, but um, you have to have clear title before you purchase your home. And uh, we check for any title defects, liens, judgments, anything like that before you actually do a closing. You want to make sure when you buy a house, it has nothing attached to it that you're going to inherit. So we actually sell the policies, but in the meantime, we're also doing the title search and make sure that we can insure that property. Yeah, that's kind of one of those things, right? Like I'm assuming you run into it a little bit where people think they're, you know, you guys help them avoid that. But I've seen instances where people think they're free and clear, ready to go to closing. And then all of a sudden something pops up, uh, you know, some old discrepancy or like an old lien or things like that. So you guys yep. are getting that all squared away from for them so that that one stress of closing a house uh, doesn't come along with the issue. Exactly. And and then at the end, you receive a title insurance policy that will come with your deed and you should hold on to that policy. A lot of times people don't realize how important that policy is. You should put that in a safe place because if somebody ever came knocking at your door a year later, two years later, 15 years later, uh, and says that they had a lien on that property before you closed, that title insurance policy would have to be produced in order to collect for that lien. So a lot of times people don't realize just how important that policy is. You know, it's funny is I don't practice it, but I've had my real estate license since 1995. I got it originally in Georgia. Um, and I just, it just never spoke to me. The, the profession just never spoke to me. But I remember a story in real estate school back in 1995, the instructor telling a story about someone who bought this huge plot of land. And I guess it was through a family. And I mean, this is probably like the old ghost tale for title insurance. And they bought <laughs> yeah. the property, they developed it, they did all this stuff. And it came back years later. And it turned out there was another person on the title. And 
they ended up having right to claim the property because they didn't have title insurance. So um, you want to stay out of that, you know, that uh, that sticky wicket. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. And go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You go. I was just going to say you should always whenever buying property, never just buy with a handshake and a quick claim deed, because whatever's attached to that property does go to the next owner. It, it stays with the property. So you would basically inherit that. So if you didn't have title insurance and you, a lot of times people in the good old days used to just do it with a handshake and a quick claim deed, that could definitely happen where all of a sudden things that, you know, skeletons from years ago were uh, common. You're not protected uh, in any way. Yeah, that's crazy. You don't, you definitely don't want to open that closet and have some skeletons fly out of it. That's not a, that's not a good way to start your property owning journey. No, no. So, so speaking of journeys, tell the listeners here a little bit about your journey. Like, how did you get into this business and do what you do? Well, I was a realtor with the local Cobal Banker here. Um, it, it was in New Tampa, even though my office here is in Pasco. Uh, I was with uh, Cobal Banker in New Tampa, and I had been a realtor for about 10, 11 years, and I was doing really, really well. I absolutely loved real estate. But I went through a divorce and became a single mom of a nine-year-old daughter. And when you're a realtor, and maybe you know this from having your license, but it's pretty tough to carry your kid with you on listing appointments or showings that buyers might call uh, at the last minute to see a house. So I was having problems getting babysitters on the spur of the moment. Buyers will not wait. They will go find another realtor in a heartbeat and blame them. They don't want to miss out on that deal or what have you. So I saw my business just tank. I mean, it was going down really, really fast. And that was my income for me and my daughter. And Coba Banker recognized this. They knew what I was going through because I had been with them for so long. And they were toying with the idea back then of in-house title companies. Now, a lot of the real estate firms have in-house title. They have in-house lenders. But back then, nobody did. And Cobalt Banker was one of the first companies to do that. And so they said, Cheryl, we have this opportunity for you. Would you be interested in working for our startup title company? You'd be working Mondays, uh, Monday through Friday, nine to five. You have weekends, you have nights off, you have holidays. And most importantly, you have insurance for you and your daughter. Yeah. So yeah. it was a win-win situation for me. And I was very thankful for the offer. I started there, and uh, although I was a realtor for 10 years, being on the title side is a little different. Um, a realtor doesn't need to know all those documents and what's what. Right. So right. I had, uh, a little bit of an awakening, and then three days after I started there, the closer who actually did the closings um, got fired. So I was the only one there. So I was thrown into the fire very quickly and had to learn very quickly. But I already had a reputation in the area from being a realtor for 10 years. So I built my book of business really, really quick and actually was recruited another two years later to another title company. But um, all I know is real estate. (laughs) You know, what's funny is, you know, as you're describing it, now that you sat on the other side of the table, it kind of gives you, because I know real estate agents, I'm sure, are blowing you up on a regular basis. Hey, Cheryl, what's going on with the title on, you know, 1234 Main Street? And when you were a real estate agent, you probably did that. Now you're on the other side of it going, all right, slow yeah. down a little bit. Yeah. This is, this is yeah. what's going on. That's true. But you know what? 
since I was a realtor for 10 years before going into title, um, I understand their needs. I'm more passionate or com compassionate about their end of it as well. You know how they always say, oh, you need to wear the other person's hat before you complain right. about what kind of job they did or what have you. So I like it because I know what they're going through. Maybe not all title people feel compassion for realtors right. at all times, but I do because I was on that other end before. So Well, and you know, the other part of it too is that you know the thing you're talking about that ultimately ended up getting you into this role, the because I talk to a lot of realtors. I mean, I know there's some really great realtors. We know several of them. There's other realtors that are just kind of feeling it out, figuring it out as they go. Yeah. And the, the, one of the yeah. toughest things in the real estate business is that inconsistency. You know, you could have two closings in May right. and not have another closing yeah. until August. You know what I mean? So like yeah. the nice thing about you making that transition is exactly what you're talking about. It takes you out of that roller coaster. You're more just on the merry-go-round now every day kind of doing yeah. your thing and deals are coming through. That's got to, that had to help with your stress levels with a nine-year-old. Absolutely. And I mean, I had to take quite a bit of a pay cut at first, right. just breaking into the business. But within two years, I, I, I did so well that I was right where I needed to be. So although it was kind of a stretch for me to make that decision at the time, and believe me, I prayed over it. Right. Um, it was a very hard decision, but I did it. And I am very thankful that I did it. I much like the title side of it better than the real estate side, but yeah. I still itch to get out there and show real estate. <laughs> so with that in mind, I mean, there is a lot of detail oriented stuff that goes on with what you guys do. If I'm, if a listener is listening to this and they're, they're getting ready to sell their house or they're getting ready to buy a house, tell them, you know, what would be a myth or a misconception that you sometimes hear people say that you could debunk about the type, you know, about the title business to maybe put uh -huh. some listeners at ease? Well, first of all, you know what I, what I wanted to bring up too, you know, we're, we're in the title business, right? You don't know how many phone calls I get that want me to buy their car title or give them a loan against their car title. So title insurance has nothing to do with cars. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So that is, that is kind of a misconception. People might think it, right? it's all encompassing. Right? You're not title max. Exactly. You're racing title. <laughs> right. But people, we get those phone calls all the time, but a big misconception, and this is just because people don't understand title insurance. Title insurance is, is done uh, in arrears. Um, like an example would be when you buy homeowner's insurance, right? You buy it for a year, you buy it ahead, right? When you buy right. car insurance, you buy it month to month, you buy it year to year, whatever you're buying it ahead. When you, um, purchase, when we give you title insurance, it's from behind. It starts when the property was developed up until the moment that you own that property. When you gotcha. do the closing, the title insurance stops. So most people don't understand that. And I've actually had people call me and say, you know what, my credit card company just put a lien on my property. I want to use my title insurance to pay this off. And then that's not no, true. That's not we what cannot it is. do that. We do not cover what the new owner put or is responsible for putting against that house. It stopped the moment that you purchase the house. And a lot of people don't, even realtors, a lot of realtors do not understand how title insurance works. So essentially to, to dummy it down for people like me is when you're doing that title insurance, it's almost like giving you a clean slate to get started on that piece of property. Like, Hey, look, we're going to look back to the beginning of time, make sure nothing's there. And now 
the day you take it, you're closing on May 25th, 2023. From this day backwards, you're in the clear. That's the insurance we're giving you. What you do from this point forward, if right. you accumulate debt or any of the other liens and stuff, that's on you. Yeah, exactly. That, that would be <laughs> that but would be, be pretty crazy how many insurance if I could pay a title insurance company for the insurance right. and then go run up $100,000 worth of debt and let them put a lien on the property and just say, hey, my title insurance is going to cover it. I don't care of it. That company might go out of I know, but we've had quick. the question before. Yeah. <laughs> so, We'd be selling it left and right, wouldn't we? <laughs> uh, so, okay, so we've heard about all the different phone calls you get. That's got to be frustrating. So in order to, to get out of that frustration, what does Cheryl do for fun? What are your hobbies and things you do when you're not in the office over here in Seven Oaks? Well, my passion is riding my bicycle and... I got into that uh, when I met my husband and we both, it is our passion. We love riding bicycles and I don't mean just around the block, you know, looking at everybody's landscaping or what have you, but we love riding. We ride, you know, 20, 30, 40. We've done century Oof. rides that are hundred miles. Um, so what kind of bike we'll do you have? Ride our bikes again. I have a trek. I have a trek. I was told so, I, I need a road to, bike. Oh, I, I was I have told I need to buy a gravel bike. Uh, for for dirt trails, I guess they they make gravel bikes yeah. that are a combination of the two. I don't listen. I don't know. The only bicycling we, the last time I did bicycling <laughs> was on a BMX bike in 1987. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a road bike. Okay, those are skinny tires. Um, they're lightweight. They're easy easy to move. You know, you can go pretty fast with them if you want to. I also have a mountain bike, which is a gravel bike, and I even have an electric bike too. So. Um, and see my a lot more and more of those lately. Well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the hardcore bike riders might call you a cheater or whatever, yeah. or whatever. But uh, I like riding my electric bike um, on the gravel trails or the dirt trails sometimes because it helps me build up. And mine isn't mine is pedal assist. It's not total like okay. a scooter. That is all. My, you have to pedal to get there, and you have to keep pedaling to keep it there. But I will use my um, my uh, electric bike on the dirt trails to help me up and down the hills because, believe it or not, Florida has some hills out there on those on those dirt trails. But riding my bikes is my number one passion. I love kayaking, camping, anything outdoors, and and I love to cook. I love I love to cook. I always wish I had my own cooking channel. So <laughs> okay, so. So maybe when we do a future podcast, we'll get you in the kitchen. We'll set up your camera in the kitchen and we'll do a cooking <laughs> show. What is your go-to? Okay, so what is your that your go-to? Let's do this. Not your go-to dish. What is the dish that you make that your husband likes the best? Oh my gosh, that that's a hard one because when I make things, if I don't make the everyday things, he'll say, "Oh my gosh, you have to make this again." And don't tell me you will because you never will. But I I just <laughs> experiment constantly constantly um there's a more of a, a cook than a baker i'm not into baking mm. maybe a box of brownies but you know I it's funny one. i will try anything my, my older brother is a chef and he used to say cooking is an art and baking is a science baking you have to measure precise <laughs> you have to mix the right way in the right order everything is a science for how you do baking but cooking you could experiment and do a lot of stuff. So, so you, there's not a dish recently you made that he went like, 
Wow, Cheryl, you are going to get bonus points today for this one. We're going to do an extra 100-mile bike ride because you made this special dish. Nothing jumping out at you? Well, he likes when I make um, chicken marsala, yeah, um, stuff like that. He likes things with sauce, sauces and gravies. He loves that stuff. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the old adage, you know, way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I, that is pretty true. I mean, you can't really go wrong there. Um so we've talked about the work. We've talked about the things you do for fun. And you and I have talked on other instances because we, you know, we do know each other. But tell me a time in your life, you know, obviously, you know, have, being a single mom with a nine-year-old child is a hardship. But is there a specific hardship that you remember going through? And how did you handle that? And then how did you come out the other side of it and, and get kind of progress in either your career or your personal life? What's an instance that you could think of there? Well, something did happen to me when I was when I was very very young, and I and a lot of people don't know this about me. But um, wait, are I you, got married. Are you gonna are you gonna reveal this on this podcast? Is this something totally nobody knows <laughs> that this is a, a, a newsflash story? Well, I mean, my close friends know this, okay. but I, hey, mean, listen, I don't. I, let, let's just go County up, hear it, about it. Let's go. <laughs> well, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle, but it made me a better person. Okay. So when I uh, got out of high school, I lived in a little tiny town and your goal in life was to get through high school and get married and have children. That's how I was raised. That was my, my career, right? So I married my high school sweetheart. And after we were married for two and a half years, we had just turned 21 years old. He died in a car accident. So I had never even knew somebody who died. I had never been to a funeral, let alone plan one. So here I am planning a funeral and I did get through it. But the wonderful thing about it, even though that was so tragic and I never thought I would get past that in my lifetime, I had so many people that reached out to me. Um, he worked at General Electric. There were people I didn't even know sending money, sending food, sending support in all kinds of ways. The community just really helped me, uh, uh, you know, 21 year old, my parents were in Boston, I'm in Cincinnati, I felt like I was so alone, but this whole community just came and helped me in so many different ways. And even though it was tragic at the time, it taught me to be a very compassionate person, to always help people and support those in need whenever I can. And I'm not saying I wouldn't necessarily have grown up to be that way, but it certainly taught me very young that you need to always reach out and help anybody that you can in any way that you can. Well, you know, that's to bring it back to correlate it back to this. I mean, the name of this podcast is the good neighbor podcast. And, and that story right? Right there oh my gosh. really exemplifies like what we're trying to do here is to reach out to the businesses to help them be a part of the community. You were in a community that actually, you know, came in and circled around you and helped you in your time of need. So it's a little bit different, but the premise is still the same there. Having that good neighbor that's got your back when, when you know, when you're at the lowest point you're going to be at. So that is an amazing story. And, and you're right, though. I mean, you and I have talked on numerous occasions. That might have been something that shaped the person that you are, but you're one of the nicest people that I, I interact with on a weekly basis. So that could have played a part into it, but I think that's kind of built into your DNA. At least that's the impression I get when, when we talk. So um, great, well, great story. You. That's a great story. Um, back to the business side of it. 
when listeners listen to this podcast, if there was one thing you want them to take away from what you guys do at Mason Title, whether that's something you offer specific to you or something philanthropic that you guys do in the community, what would be the one thing you'd want people to, to take away? Well, the one thing that most people don't know is that the seller can choose the title company. Um, it is written into our contracts and is customary in our tri-county area that the seller choose the title company. Now, in other parts of the state, the buyer chooses. But in our area, what is customary and written into the contracts is that the seller can choose the title company. Most sellers don't know this. They're just guided by their realtor or they're guided by their lender, which is fine. And hopefully, that title company that they're recommended to is a good title company. Title companies open and close all the time. Um, a lot of them are not licensed. I am licensed. Um, nine out of 10 of the people in my office are licensed, which is not customary. Usually there's only one person, if any, that are licensed. Um, the knowledge that I have after being in real estate for 32 years is, is just priceless. So they're making the biggest commitment of their life. I mean, they're signing on most of the time with a 30 year mortgage. That's, that's longer than most people's marriages and they should be choosy. They should definitely interview a few title companies before they decide just to, to take one because so-and-so told them to take it. It's, it's a big investment. Sellers can choose and nobody knows this. A lot of people don't know what I should say. So when you're getting ready to list your home, you get to pick your real estate agent and you get to pick the company that does the title insurance for you. So keep that in mind. So, Absolutely. you know, I guess, I guess the, you know, the million dollar question is the last question here. I hope it's the million dollar question for you and Mason Title. <laughs> how can listeners find out more about you? How can they contact you? You know, how do they get a hold of you and Mason Title? Well, I, I am the business development manager. I am on the road talking with people, talking with realtors, talking with lenders at all times. It's my job to educate people in this business. So I love talking about it. And they can give me a call on my cell, um, which is 813-843-3807. Or they can email me at chjohnson at masontitle.com. And I would love to have a conversation about title insurance or real estate in general. Excellent. Cheryl, thank you so much for being on with us today. We're going to sign off now, but um, Cheryl's information will be in this post when we post it. So get a hold of Mason Title when you're selling your house and, and pick your own title insurance company. Thanks again, Cheryl. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast Passcode. To nominate your favorite local businesses to be featured on the show, go to gnppasco.com. That's gnppasco.com or call 813-922-3610.